Thank you for downloading this podcast and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth, the podcast to help the channel better understand the trends, technologies and concepts that are facing the IT industry today. I'm your host, David Fern, and we hope you enjoy this Arrow production. And please subscribe. Thanks. Hi, and welcome to Arrow Bandwidth. And uh, for those of you who are listening, you won't realize that actually we are today doing our first ever videoed version of the podcast. So should you, uh, should you want to see our faces for some unknown reason, please find us on the links uh, in the show notes. But that's either him or there, because today, as well as having my regular co-host, Mr. Richard Holmes... Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome. We are honoured to be joined on our first video and audio podcast by Alex Rutter, who is CEO of The Weather Company. Okay. Lovely to meet you. Thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, just to make sure I'm uh, in- also thrilled to be uh, on your first ever live stream. I hope we don't disappoint. Well, <laughs> we'll try not we, we, I was 30 mm, odd episodes into the podcast. Let's change it up and do something a little bit different. I hope we've not disappointed in the past. Well, let's be honest. We've all, we always try to push the envelope, so why not? Well, you did say come on this podcast because you've a face for radio, so we're kind of breaking <laughs> it now, aren't we? But never mind. <laughs> I've, I've warmed to your face for radio over the over the year year and a bit. Year and a bit. Yeah, blimey. Yeah. Too long. Too long. Anyway, anyway. more importantly, so uh, the purpose of today's podcast is basically to help uh, our partners, because this is a partner-focused partner focused podcast. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who have just discovered us on uh, YouTube, there's like 30 episodes of us back in the day. So please check them out. It's almost like a box set. It is a box set, yeah. yeah there you go. So, but the purpose of, of this particular podcast is to give you an idea and an overview of a very interesting and, and at first sight confusing acquisition, I think, for a lot of our partners that IBM made... Was it last year? Uh, yeah, so we, uh, we acquired in uh, January 2016, mm-hmm. um, but announced intent to acquire in October 2015. So mm. uh, we've been on the track for about 16 months now. Yeah, fantastic. So of the weather company. So the weather company, well, why am I going to explain it? Please, Alex, tell us yeah, what, what is the weather company? Yeah, it's fine. So listen, I mean, first of all, you know, y- your sentiments around people slightly confused around the acquisition, I think, uh, are echoed. I think mm. um, a lot of people, so certainly a lot of the meetings that I have, um, Firstly, are all done at sort of a very senior level. So actually, um, I've been selling for 17 years. I've never worked in a business or with a product that gets you so many meetings at sort of CFO, CEO level. And mm-hmm. a lot of those things really are very much focused around, you know, why did IBM spend, you know, two plus billion dollars mm. uh, on a weather company? And it's great. You know, it's one of the best things that I do, which is sort of take a 20 minute, 30 minute presentation and bring customers on that journey, taking them from that sort of initial realization of what the weather company actually does. Yeah its application to industry and to consumer, which is something that you know, we're very excited about in the IBM Corporation, and then really how it translates into sort of a business value statement that really they either haven't thought about or they haven't really considered the impact on their own business core. So yeah, we, we, we get a lot of really interesting meetings, and certainly we're seeing a lot of value with our clients as we sort of progress through that sales stages with them. So I mean, a, a lot of people have probably come across the Weather Channel, <coughs> yeah. first and foremost. And just to avoid any sort of confusion, you know, the people that have either you know, seen, uh, seen the Weather Channel online or, you know, they've, they've been visiting the States and seen it mm-hmm. on cable. So the, the Weather Company is made up of a number of different groups. So we've got the Weather Channel, which you're familiar with, and yep. is the broadcast TV station in the US. Um, we have the Weather comp- which we have the Weather Channel, the Weather Company, mm-hmm. uh, which hosts the online properties of weather.com. 
um, weather, the, the uh, full fat web and uh, the weather channel mobile apps, which is the, the fourth largest mobile application in the world. Wow. Wow. Um, we also have Weather Underground, which is another part of our organization, so very much focused on the personal weather station network and um, the more intricate uses of weather, people that look for a little more detail mm -hmm. behind the sort of their average weather forecast. Um, but we also have WSI, so Weather Systems International, um, and they were very much part of the sort of specialized application of weather into the aviation industry. Um, mm -hmm. Today we service around 80% of the North American <coughs> airlines and 40% of the world's top 100 airlines run on WSI systems. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, I suppose the biggest question for me, though, is now we know what they've bought, I st I'm, still, I'm still struggling um, as to why. Where, where's, the value in, where's the value in weather, weather data? Isn't it a commodity? Isn't it a relatively low-valued commodity item? So it's interesting that you have that opinion. So let, first of all, let me talk you through why IBM bought the weather company, because there are three really yeah. clear, distinct reasons. Um, the first one is um, the B2C business. So consumer is a huge part of any organization now. Mm. I think we saw earlier on today, Facebook is touching, just about to touch 2 billion people a day. So the yep. ability to touch consumers is more and more important. Mm. Um, and with the acquisition of the weather company, IBM now has a consumer route to market again. Um, as I said, we've got the fourth largest mobile application in the world. We touch 230 million uniquely monthly active users. Um, we have a uh, tremendous footprint from a marketing and an ad tech perspective uh, and a platform that generates a, a vast amount of revenue per day for the company. Yeah. On a B2B perspective, um, we have deep industry solutions in a number of core industries, um, media, aviation, retail, energy and utilities, um, that really take IBM not just into new verticals, because we've had a presence in those for a long time, but also take us into new parts of those organizations. So, mm. you know, historically, IBM has pretty much worked within the sort of the CIO, and I would say sort of in the <coughs> last three or four years, very much with the CMO part of the organization. Mm -hmm. The weather company is very much taking us into new parts of the organization, new streams of business within our clients. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. So, I mean, is. what is actually um, available, you know, from a... Obviously, I think one of the things that, that confused most people is, is IBM, in fact, you're not the only slightly uh, confusing acquisition I think IBM has made recently with Ustream and things like that. But, <coughs> you know, what is the strategy of IBM, you know, who have normally been a, you know, big iron, big industrial server type platforms, big, expensive, and, and very sort of enterprise-focused um, software products? What's the... Um, What's the motivation behind behind services like the weather company? Okay, so first of all, let's talk about, and it's a good job that you're both sitting down, so uh, we prevent people from falling off their chairs in this one. But I'm going to start with a number just to make mm -hmm. this real for everybody that's listening. Yeah. In 2016, the world wrote off $500 billion of corporate performance by blaming it on the weather. Blimey. Okay. You can read... That's a pretty that's good a statistic. big number, yeah. $500 billion. Okay. Mm. It is one of the largest, if not the largest, single contributing factor to corporate underperformance that's blamed across the, the globe. Wow. And you can read it in different corporate reports. You can go to airlines and read the fact that they didn't make their passenger numbers because of warmer than expected summers. You can read it in retailers. You will see it, I'm sure, in the corporate reports of some of the major retailers in Europe based on the, the weather storms that we had that have affected the supply of certain mm. fresh fruit and goods that we've all seen in the supermarkets through the first part of this year. Mm. So the reason why IBM bought this is, uh, bought the weather company is really, weather affects every single business, every yeah. person, every yeah. consumer, every single industry. 
And I think that's the main message that I talk to when I talk to partners, uh, customers directly, is actually there are two types of people out there in the industry at the moment. There are people that have realized that weather has a profound impact on their business and they're starting to do something with that. Mm-hmm. And those people that haven't yet realized it. And we are accelerating through that process with customers, helping them understand what they're doing. The really interesting thing for me, and mm. what I would say to anybody listening, is that at the moment, and there's very few businesses that can really make this claim, but we have a 100% success rate from client meeting to client opportunity. <laughs> there is an opportunity in every single customer we go and talk to. Yeah. And you know, maybe we can talk about some of those later on. You know, throughout yeah, the yeah, that'd be great, but yeah. But I think that's the real fundamental driver here. Whether is applicable to every single business, and whether that is in supply and logistics, whether it's in demand optimization, whether it happens to be now through our consumer end, we can actually help customers take that final piece of competitive advantage that they get through analysis, through analytics, or through something else, and actually turn it into translated dollars for their business at the bottom line. Okay. That's really sort of where we're going from a company perspective. So <coughs> isn't, <laughs> I suppose, and, and apologies for this relatively sort of um, naive perception, but mm-hmm. isn't whether... Um, as, as I said earlier on, it's a free commodity item. I can go to the Met Office. I can I can get weather data pretty pretty easily um, and freely. What what's the value? Why why should I go with the weather company over and above Met Office or, or someone else? Uh, that's a great question, David. And I think it's it's one that I get an awful lot of the time. Mm. Uh, and thankfully, have a very good answer to. <laughs> um, I think the first thing to really talk about is how we create the forecast. Mm. You know, every mm. every company on earth has to have a calling card and a reason to sit in front of a client to take up customers' valuable time. Yeah. Um, and ours is that we generate the world's most accurate forecast. Now, that sounds like a really open statement, uh, potentially sort of marketing fluff, but actually it's not. No, we, so we are independently verified. Um, you can go to a body called Forecast Watch. You can Google them, find them online. Um, we've been the number one forecast for accuracy globally for the last five years running and we continue to excel and move ahead of the competition in that space when we talk about how we deliver the forecast i talked earlier about scale so one of the things the weather company acquisition brings to ibm is scale on on an internet on a a scale way above that of a normal cloud provider we're Mm. talking sort of internet scale and to put that in comparison we take (coughs) data from the world's largest personal weather station network, which is on Weather Underground, so 240,000 plus personal weather stations. Wow. That gives us our ground truth. We combine that with flight data from over 50,000 flights a day, so aircraft uh, ascending and descending through the atmosphere. We have weather company software actually sat on the aircraft itself. We overlay that with our smartphone network that we have. So because Weather Channel is, again, the fourth largest app in the world, we, mm-hmm. have, we collect data from upwards of 15 million mobile devices from those 230 million monthly users. Um, gives us barometric pressure so we can tell sort of where temperature and what the impact is at various different heights within uh, on the globe. Mm-hmm. We add that to satellite imagery at the top layer as well as weather station balloons. On top of that, we add in data from 162 different models around the world. So the Met Office you mentioned is a competitor of ours, but we also are a consumer of their data. Um, anyone who's listening and who happens to be a statistician will understand that you know, the more models you have, the greater your chances of accuracy are. We take mm. 162 different models, which produces uh, what we call forecast on demand. And that has a 20% lower error rate than the next best forecast anywhere in the globe. Now, critically, that sounds great, but it's how you translate that to scale. Yeah. Mm. So what we do is we take all that information, 
we computationalize it on the IBM cloud, and we divide all 40,000 kilometers of the world's, of the Earth's surface, all 62 miles high. We create 2.2 billion one kilometer square grids, and we produce an individualized forecast for every single latitude and longitude on Earth, and we do it every 15 minutes. Okay. I think that's put you in your box. Yeah, and on that bombshell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think listen, there's a couple of different phrases out there. You know, we, talk, we like to talk about it in terms of scale. And for some of our listeners out there, to, you know, talking big numbers isn't always helpful unless you've got a point of comparison. Mm. Um, so let me give you one that sort of puts it, in, puts it in context. Google are fairly prolific search engines. I think we've pretty much most all heard of them, mm -hmm. pretty much used yep. them. Um, Google on an average day handle anywhere between about an 11 and 15 billion API requests a single day. Um, the weather company handle on a normal day around 29 billion. So we're almost double the size of Google in terms of API data requests. Um, however, the one thing that makes us truly sort of internet scale in terms of the way that we can adapt to demand is back in October when um, Hurricane Matthew hit the uh, east coast of uh, America. Mm. And uh, you know, obviously, at that point, the weather company's prime objective is to keep people safe. It's what we do. Yeah. Um, our alerting platform certainly keeps people out of the way of danger, and that's something that we will continue to do as we move forward. However, during that time, people become more and more reliant upon your service, and we need to make sure that we've got a cloud infrastructure and an ability to support that um, in people's time of need. Yeah. During that period of time, we scaled to just over 49 billion API requests. We got so large that Akamai, the governing body, throttled, throttled the weather company service back to make sure that we didn't bring other core web services down. But we did all of that whilst migrating information off multiple data centers to make sure that we could keep our service active for users and keep it out of the way of the storm. So, you know, we do data and we do it on a pretty big scale. Yeah. So this is an interesting thing. One thing I'd just like to pick up, pick you up on with what you said there. From what you've described, with, with the network you have access to, mm -hmm. yeah, the location, the the density, yeah, of where yeah you can take a reading from. It's not just about applying that to a a level of focus, a level of granularity as mm -hmm. to how you can be more specific about a forecast and more accurate about a forecast. You talked about layering things like an alert, alert service. Yeah. So, yeah, and I think this is one of the things for me we're kind of yeah, prepping for today is the weather company is more than just providing an accurate weather forecast a scale and a specificity. It's about what you can then layer on with some of the, the services <coughs> on yeah, top of that. Yeah, correct. I mean, ultimately, like I said, this is about our calling card, right? The reason yeah. we can sit in front of clients is because we produce the world's most accurate forecast. What's really interesting and why customers want to talk to us is what can you do with that information? Exactly. Okay. Mm. So like any organization, uh, any business, the first thing you want is you want to have the most accurate data to make your decision with. Yeah. So if you're a retailer, you want to know that actually you're getting the relevant information to forecast demand. Um, I can't obviously talk about who the competition is, but we know mm. that between us and another major um, supplier of weather information, the recent weekend in London where it hit 25 degrees, you know, we forecast around 25 degrees. They were forecasting 19 and a half. For a retailer, a six-degree difference in London yeah. has a huge difference in terms of the way humans interact. Um, the one thing that we know as an interpretation of behavior is that weather has a huge impact, to impact on how people feel. Um, and weather is very relative. You know, today we're in London. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's probably around 14, 15 degrees, and we're sort of fairly comfortable. 
if it was, you know, uh, in the middle of California and it was 15 degrees, people would be walking around with massive jackets on. Um, <laughs> yep. You know, big, big scarves and hats because actually it's about how weather is relative to your environment. Yeah. As a business, that has a critical impact. Yeah. Um, as to what you supply, how what your staffing levels are, where you put your stock, um, whether products are simply going to sell or not. Mm. And um, one of the things that we do with retailers is we overlay point of sale information with weather data and we start to spot trends. So we did a piece of work for a major UK retailer a while ago where we identified uh, a great insight, which was despite the fact that it rains twice as much in Scotland than it does anywhere else in the UK, they, they buy half the amount of raincoats, which either means that <laughs> the Scots don't care about getting wet or... Uh, hardy, 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 hardy people. Hardy people. So um, that's a really great example of some of the things we've discussed on previous podcasts yep. about yeah, how not just you can build either the, the platform or you can have access to, to the tools. It's the sources of information and it's, mm. it's, it's bringing it all them, yeah. together yeah. and seeing how they all interact and have an influence on what you're either trying to predict or measure or the business value that you know, you're trying to apply all this technology. Yeah, I mean, that, that's correct. And I think we, so we, look, at, we look at the forecasting in, in a number of different <coughs> ways. Mm. And really, I'd say we could break it down to three different ways. The first one is we look at historical information. So mm -hmm. we have historical records. We give historical information back to April 1st, 1973, which is a random date, but that's the date we've got. Um, but we do that by hour. So we can go back chronologically by hour. So people ask, what's that for? But actually, if you think about industries like agriculture, where yeah. actually growing of crops and crop cycles, yeah. they need to understand what happened on that day by the hour. That can be profoundly interesting for them. Mm. But ultimately, we have this historical platform. We call it historical. We call it clean historical forecasting. And that gives companies the insight as to what happened and why it happened. What were the factors that made that decision happen? Yeah. And that's available, like I said, on a, on a 30 kilometer square grid. So we're still fairly accurate. We then got what we call currents on demand. So that's what's happening right now. Uh, so if you're a retailer and you want to make a decision based on you know, marketing preferences for what you do right now, we have currents on demand. And that's the forecast I talked about earlier, what we generate mm. every mm. 15 minutes. Um, and then we do that on a 500-meter grid across the world. Okay, so we can be very, very local with that. Um, then you want to know what's going to happen. So again, if you're a retailer, you want to forecast what's going to happen. Yeah we then have forecast on demand, which looks at the next 15 days. And so this is also where, the world, where, where we are the world's most accurate. Okay, so we got 15 days and we can start to spend, you know, what's the weather going to be like this weekend? <coughs> Wouldn't it be great if you know, you're a yep. food retailer and you knew that it's going to be great barbecue weather on the Monday and you can start promoting those sales rather than have the, probably like the three of us, the mad rush on a Friday <laughs> night home via the, you know, the, the nearest uh, Marks Suspension or Waitrose or Tesco on the way home to get the food you need. Yeah, other supermarkets do exist. Uh, yeah. I've been there, though. I've been there, yeah. yeah. Um, so how is the, I mean, this is great, but how do people, you know, on a practical level actually consume the data? How, you know, what are the options they've got open to them? Okay, so we, we, so we go to market in a number of different ways. Mm. Um, the first one is through what I would call industry solutions. Mm -hmm. So we affect a number of different industries. Uh, in the aviation space, we have a number of different, uh, what I call productized applications. So uh, we have something called Pilot Brief, which is effectively a digital flight book. Um, so those pilots that used to carry around big briefcases and stacks of papers being replaced with, a, with an iPad that we produce for them. It has things like flight plans on it, digital flight releases. Um, we have other applications where we sort of digitize the weather information that we bring on a global basis and mm -hmm. make it consumable on an app, invariably. Mm -hmm. um, the other way we consume information is through APIs. Yep. So we provide our weather forecast um, that I talked about. It's, produced, it's delivered via an API. 
that we can feed to clients, and that can be done on a frequency basis by city or by country or on a global basis. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think one of the key things that differentiates us and brings what we sort of term as common situational awareness amongst different businesses is that our weather forecast, doesn't matter whether it's driving a data feed on an app or whether you're deciding whether or whether to or not take off a particular aircraft from a particular airport, all comes from the same data feed. So we have a con single consistent view of the weather globally, yeah. right. which for organizations that are dependent upon it is, is key, but also global organizations that operate decision-making platforms on a, you know, out of different countries. Airlines being a great example. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking with an airline in the Middle East not so long ago. They have 280 different aircraft and they all leave the hub every morning. So, you know, they talk about where they are, but, you know, at <coughs> three and five o'clock in the afternoon, their entire global asset fleet is somewhere else in the world. So knowing what the weather's doing in the Middle East at that point in time is kind of irrelevant. Yeah. Um, but it's what's happening between there and here that could affect, you know, when that aircraft leaves. Is it going to get back on time? Do they have scheduling for something else? Mm. So, you know, the, the knock-on effect of, of weather is, is profound. And businesses are starting to realize that actually it has a greater and greater impact on, on what they do. Yeah. So, I mean, you've spoken about some of the more... I don't want to say enterprise grade, but sort of high end, like uh, I also don't want to say obvious, but obvious examples like flying and, and things like that, where mm -hmm. weather is absolutely critical. But I mean, obviously, I think one of the, the most interesting uh, opportunities that we're seeing for these sorts of services is, is more in the sort of mid-market space of, um, of our partners who are not necessarily going to be selling to the airlines. Okay. So do you have any examples of where the weather data has been really interesting and really a sort of exciting new um, dimension of someone's decision-making process in a sort of a smaller industry or a sort of smaller opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. So one, so one of the things that we're seeing as a major influencer within clients at the moment, and this affects people within the whole of the, I call the enterprise, but the whole commercial space, mm -hmm. uh, it's really around our alerting technology. So I, I talked to you through our mobile yeah. scale earlier. Yeah. We get mobile. Okay, I, think, I don't think many people would disagree with that, you know, producing the fourth largest mobile app in the world. We get it. Uh, yeah. um, You're allowed to say that. But what, we, what that enables us to do is we have, a, a, we have an alerting platform technology. Okay? So what that means right. is we have the ability to send uh, and help our customers create through SDKs and different mobile apps um, the ability to communicate with your end user. Okay, now, there's a number of different customers uh, or businesses that really need to be able to do that more and more frequently. Um, and that can be in anywhere within the consumer range. Any business wants to be able to talk to its customer more and more frequently than it currently mm. is. Mm. So we've seen that a lot with different industries. They want to talk to us about how they can create relevant messaging. Example being you know, small insurance companies, individual retailers who want to notify a loyal customer base of something that's going on that's relevant to them. There's a great statistic that we found from um, a research report, which was that 92% of people will take action on a relevant alert that comes to them. Okay, That high? Yeah, because uh, you know we get bombarded with so much information. That actually, if you can be very specific about something, um, it has a lot of relevance. Yeah. And because we understand mobile and we do location services very, very well indeed, uh, with the world's second largest location, uh, location services company, um, is that actually if we give you a message and it happens to be relevant, which is, you know, Richard, you know, you're looking for, you know, it's going to be a great barbecue, it's going to be great weather this weekend, and actually your local butcher, um, rather than sort of one of the major chains, employs our technology. It could be, you know, actually, we know you're coming home on a Friday, <coughs> and we'd like to just send you a little alert as you come off the station, as you're in 500 meters of our shop that says, you know what, actually we're doing a special on burgers this weekend. Are you interested? So we can deploy that technology into small little instances, or we can do it for you know global organisations that want yeah. to be able to talk to 
300,000 employees in a single hit that says, you know, you know, please see this latest information email, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. So the solutions are totally scalable. And I think this is something that, you know, a lot of industries have been really struggling with this this location aspect of you know, either either their staff or their audience. It's you know how it's almost been put up as a nirvana is you know you you've got someone who is a a customer. You you know you might the example you see is you know somebody walking into a shop you know, three times in a week and they don't buy anything. How do you nudge or? You know, you send an alert out to, to people that are on your loyalty scheme, but yeah, how many of those people will get that alert after they've just been in? Yeah. You know, when they're literally just putting the carriers in. Yeah, time is everything in yeah. the car. But yeah, well, I, I think <coughs> one of the answers to to realise these sorts of things, what you hit upon there, that you know, that that accuracy on things like location, and a, I want to say as a byproduct of of what you do as yeah, a weather forecasting. Mm organization it's like is it fair to say that you know you you've looked for and you're continuing to look for other ways that you can monetize the the network the services the yeah it's more than just again it's that thing more than just weather forecasting yeah absolutely and you know that, that's you know it's, it's on or every single presentation that I give everybody, you know, we, we've always been more than just weather. Yeah. yeah. You know, weather, weather is effectively, you know, the ability we have to come to the table with an element of credibility. What we do is we look absolutely look for different ways to monetize that and help our organizations do it. Mm. I think going back to my original point, you know, weather is a $500 billion problem. Yeah. Okay. That's the way you have to look at it. Yeah. And we are helping companies, bit large or small, take advantage of that. And we're seeing some pretty profound results. And the thing is, this is going to be one of those things that, you know, the world is never going to be the same again from, from an industry perspective. IBM made a major play um, in this space by acquiring the weather company. No one else has really made a move since because I yeah. think they've looked at sort of, mm. you know, they're now a me too place of what else was doing that. So when you take the, the skills and the, the marketing technology that the weather company have, you infuse that with, you know, IBM strategic imperatives around our go-to-market, so our cognitive uh, indications to what we're doing for the rest of industry. You know, we are fundamentally changing the way that different industries apply technology with weather. Yep. So, so I mean, it sounds like you've got a, a, an amazing, whacking great big infrastructure sitting behind and doing all this cool stuff. Oh, you know, are IBM looking to capitalize on that in any other directions? Are they looking to leverage the weather company platform? Because I mean, I mean, so you and I, when they first acquired the weather company, we sat there yep. and went. Why have they done that? And we came up with a whole load of um, uh, uh, of harebrained schemes in our head. Like they want it's not like us. No, like us at all. <laughs> oh, come no. on, Shell. Well, I must admit, so the, the first one we came up with was uh, was well, if they've done that, they can't possibly just want weather data because that seems a little bit short sighted. Transpires it's not. Um, but it, you know, surely the weather company must be one of the most incredible IoT and big data platforms in existence today. Do they want that as a as a IoT and big data platform as a service almost to sort of complement or, or maybe even augment the um, the weather company's primary objective? So I think from an IBM perspective, we're certainly looking at how we can amalgamate <coughs> the assets of the weather company into the wider corporate strategy. Yep. Um, it's certainly being looked at at a global level. You know, we've obviously got lots of different um, capabilities and technologies and. Really, that's what any acquisition is is designed to do, which is pull the best of breed pieces yeah. from other areas. So, you know, it's it's no um, it's no secret. The mm. the chief technology officer for the weather company, a gentleman called Bryson Keeler, has been 
brought in now group CTO for pretty much most of IBM's Watson cognitive yep, cloud capabilities. So I think you know we're going to take the learnings from the weather company and, and what we did on a mass cloud scale um, and look at how we can and enhance and augment sort of the capabilities that we have as, as a corporation globally. Mm. Okay. Fantastic. I mean, I think just to try and bring it down to so yeah, some of the partners and customers that, that we work with and that hopefully listen to this podcast. Uh, we know you're out there. We love well, no, we you. Now, you on, well, yeah, watching watching it. It. We're going to assume you're watching oh, it. Never mind listening. Hello, new audience. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, we, we're quite lucky in, in the IBM channel that we've got partners that specialize in facilities management, asset management, analytics, commerce and, you know, commerce and retail, security. I, I, I take it, you know, part, part of the challenge, part of the drive moving forward is, is really reaching out to that base and saying, look, you know what, how do we take some of this, you know, some of what we've been talking about today yeah. and how do we really help you leverage and move on that relationship and what you do as a business with, with your cu customers today. I mean, it sounds like it must be uh, yeah, a really good conversation to have, not just with yeah, end clients and you know, the C-suite in you know, national retailers and, and airlines, but, but surely you know, the partner base must be... Yeah, I'm sure they come from sort of like, wow, that's a bit left field to, to now. I can imagine that you're sitting around tables with partners and they're, they're nodding their head and they're going, right, yes, I now see where the relevance is and I now see. Yeah, we do. And I, I think the sort of the message that I would give to people listening and, and partners that want to engage, I think the one thing that we're probably all in the same boat with is, you know, we all live in an industry where companies expect more. Yep. Anyone who carries a target is invariably bigger than it was the previous yep. year. Yep. Um, some of them achievable, some of them, you know, a stretch. Yep. Um, <laughs> and everyone is looking for something relevant and exciting to talk to their customers about. Yep. Be that that they've, lucky enough, and they've sold them everything they currently have in their portfolio, but actually they just want a reason to engage either at a higher level mm. or at a different space within the client. And weather gives them that. Okay, Weather gives them a reason, it gives them a calling card to go and speak to anyone, anyone in any organization anywhere, because weather does affect every single industry, yeah. every person, every individual. Um, and I would stress that people try it, okay? The other thing I would say is, you know, I have a full team of people behind me. People can feel free, come to me directly. I'm happy to engage with any customer on any level. Yeah. Um, we don't just work within the large enterprises. Yeah. Quite the opposite, actually. The majority of our business at the moment is coming from the medium enterprise, what's the sort of a medium-sized commercial customer Fantastic, upwards. Yeah, brilliant. Um, so that's <coughs> a big message, which is sort of quite unusual from an IBM perspective. Mm, definitely. Um, and we're also taking, you know, IBM into new, into new areas, and you know, we're looking for partners to come on that journey with us. As I said at the start, there are those, there are two types of customer right now. There are people that have realised that weather has an impact on their business, and they're starting to talk to us about <sighs> this, or they already have a weather strategy, mm -hmm. and they're realising that it's a bit second-rate. Or there is those that haven't realized it yet. Either one of those, they're prepared to have conversations with me. Yeah. Um, so I would stress to ask the question. You know, like any like any good sales organization, it's go and ask the question. I almost guarantee you'll get a bite back. Fantastic. Cool. And on that note, Alex, thank you so much for coming in. Any final thoughts or? No, I, I think you know it's been great to come on the show, and I've enjoyed being part of the first live stream. Certainly, that's that's uh, yep. always a good one. Uh, always happy to come back and, and talk about this in more detail. 
Um, what I would say is if people have any further questions, they can get hold of me. Yeah, at, uh, details Alex. will be in the show notes. So yeah. Great. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's alex at weather.com. So it's uh, nice and easy <laughs> to remember. Nice and easy on that. That yeah. really is easy, yeah. Nice and easy to remember. And, um, you know, if people are looking for more information on our stuff, then go to business.weather.com and, uh, and reach out to us directly. Fantastic. Well, look, thank Brilliant. you so much for coming on. I Rich. hope we see you again soon. It's been fascinating. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Thanks very really much for the opportunity. Thank you very much. And thank you to you for watching and listening. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll do a few more live streams. Uh, if you don't like it, tell us. We won't bother. We'll change the format. <laughs> we'll move them around. <laughs> but, no, thank you very much to Compare the Cloud for supporting us on this first live stream. Yes. And uh, thank you to our absent producer, Hannah, who will inevitably be doing the topping and tailing of the actual podcast. So thank you very much. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. See you Goodbye. soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Bye. Bye.